Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight. We are the retro show that talks about anything and everything having to do with those wonderful memories of the baby boomers, baby boomer years. If you were born between, say, 1945 and 1965, you're going to really know what we're talking about here. But the best part is you don't have to be born in those years to enjoy the show. With over 200 shows, we have just a little bit about everything that would appeal to just about everyone. I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And it's 2019 already, Smitty. 2019, Mike, and this is our ninth year of ninth doing Galaxy. Year, pushing 10 years. Pushing 10 years. Oh, my goodness. We're looking at all the anniversaries of 2019, so we've got a big anniversary, big memory anniversary coming up, that being 1969, a lot going on, but... We don't have to wait for to talk about years that end in nine. We can talk about anything. But, Smitty, you know, you're looking back, looking back over the years, especially over the past nine years of the show, it's been very interesting that we've covered so many things that have turned into responses from people that didn't even qualify as baby boomers. That's right, yeah. The responses that we get, and we get responses from younger people and people who listen to our show that maybe weren't around during that period of time, it's always gratifying to hear from people like that. It sure is. And, you know, we we do manage to put in some some show material that applies to just about anyone, regardless of what you're, you were born. In fact, today we're going to talk about that rite of passage known as getting your driver's license. Oh, yes. You remember that, Smitty? I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I remember it well. <laughs> you know how everything seems to connect together. I remember I got my driver's license at the age of 16 in 1969, how about speaking that? of 50 years ago. 50 so years ago. I've been a licensed driver for 50 years, and we looked back. We talked before the show, Smitty, about those somewhat stressful and often trying times of being almost 16, not quite 16, but... All you could think about day and night was getting behind the wheel and having that little card in your wallet that said you were legally able to drive a motor vehicle. Your ticket to freedom. Your ticket to freedom, <laughs> your rite of passage. Uh, if you were a, a teenage, a young teenage boy such as I was back in 1969 and you were 16, the world was ahead of you, but all you could think about were those four tires and that steering wheel, (laughs) and what you were going to do, not only in the world, but to the world. That's right. Once you got behind the wheel. But (laughs) we'll take a little step back before that wonderful day when you took your driver's test uh, at the DMV and and were awarded that license. The preparation, all of the months before, we talked about uh, being a a student driver. Mm -hmm. Now... Mm -hmm. You didn't suffer the pain and the humiliation (laughs) of having the paper plate that your dad taped to the back of the car saying student driver oh, while you were driving no. around the neighborhood, did oh you or not? No, no, no. Well, the okay. only, no, I guess the only student driver thing that I would have been was when we actually, which I'll talk a little bit more about later on, was driver's ed in uh, in high school. I think the car said student driver. Yes, the cars but, did, yeah, yes. But I didn't have, uh, no, I did, there were no paper plates that, that said student driver. Uh, I, <laughs> I was able to avoid that experience, but I had friends who... Uh, Saturday seemed Saturday mornings seemed to be or Sunday mornings in L.A. when a, a lot of the dads and for that matter the moms would take their young student drivers out. And I lived in an area north of 
downtown Los Angeles called Eagle Rock, and mm-hmm. we had an an interesting driver's training area known as the Rose Bowl parking lot ah, over in mm-hmm. Pasadena. Right. And on any given Saturday or Sunday morning, uh, you would see parents with their youngsters, their children, their preteens armed, I should say, maybe armed or maybe equipped with their student license, their driver's learning permit, and all these family sedans and station wagons circling around the Rose Bowl. I was one of them. I didn't have a whole lot of time logged on with my dad teaching me how to drive because uh, he didn't quite have the patience. Mm. I don't blame him now, (laughs) having two daughters that I had years later attempted to teach how to drive. But it was an experience because half of you wants to please your dad and the other half wants to keep off the curbs and trying to avoid careening into a wall or striking someone down. That's right. But it was interesting. (laughs) There was a modicum of freedom to be able to get behind the wheel after dreaming of it. And after sitting in the garage in the family sedan or the family pickup truck and imagining behind the wheel, just in a couple of months, I'll be able to take this big metal beast out and <laughs> direct it where I may. That's right. Go wherever you want. Yeah. What were your first memories, Smitty, of, of actually getting the temporary? You, you Did you get training in high school? Like uh, probably most of the southern, I don't know how it was in the rest of the country. In Southern California, part of the high school curriculum was actually driver's education followed by driver's training. So driver's mm-hmm. education was a classroom course. Right. And driver's training was where you got to really get out there and do it. Yeah, yeah. That's where my experiences came from were in high school. We did take the the driver's uh, training class, which is a classroom setting where you actually learned about first aid and you watched those films like Signal 30. Signal 30. Yeah, remember that? And uh, show you the dangers of looking away from the road when you're out there and the consequences that could happen. But took that and then I actually didn't get uh, started with driver's uh, training until later, Mike. It was actually... I believe it may have actually even been my senior year, believe it or not, that I had driver's training. There was a, uh, there was an interval of time there that I could have taken the course earlier, and I didn't for some reason. But anyway, I remember one day I was in school and got a uh, pass, a hall pass. It said, report to driver's training out in the parking lot. Oh, okay. So I went out there, and uh, I still remember the gentleman's name, Mr. Tucker, was the driver's ed teacher, older guy, must have... Uh, been doing that for a long time and there was a group of i think another three kids a total of four kids i believe three three or four kids three maybe three and we went out and we all took turns driving that was basically my first driving experience my dad had been kind of lax about taking me out to do any driving well in the first place we had manual shift cars we had you know car we didn't have any automatics my dad yes my manual shift that's the stuff of a segment of its own (laughs) yes a whole coming soon to galaxy (laughs) the manual shift experience oh yeah oh yeah and I was madder than a wet hen because I go, why don't we have any automatic cars? I thought driving a, a stick shift car was the end of the world. I thought, I'm never going to learn how to do this. But anyway, I digress. So anyway, uh, I got this, uh, this, uh, this pass and I reported out there and, and, uh, we all took turns getting in the car. When I got in there, uh, the first move I made is I accidentally stepped on the gas instead of the brake. Now, you remember those cars had, some of them had a separate, had a steering wheel also for the instructor. Yes. This car had a separate uh, brake pedal for the instructor. So he stepped on the brake and said, no. He said, 
don't step on the gas, step on the brake. So first and only time I ever did that. Was the training vehicle a manual or was that an automatic? No, it was an automatic. Okay. It was a nice, as, as I recall, it was a Chevrolet Malibu from the 19, wow. oh gosh, late 70s, early 80s. Very, because that would have been 1981. So it was either gear too old. It was a nice car. And I'm going like, wow, this is fantastic. And it was easy. Just put it in drive and step on the gas and away you go. How about that? I caught on to it real, real quickly. I caught the hang of it real, real quickly and was able to, uh, you know, we used to meet, I think, once a week or something like that on Friday or something was the the driver's ed day. So we'd go out for an hour and uh, we'd all take turns driving. And one time, Mike, I remember that I went out there and turned out that it was I was the only student who showed up and the uh, driver's ed teacher. So he goes, okay, you're going to drive for the whole hour. So that was fantastic. We drove around all over the place and it was fun. I'll, I'll never forget that. Then I had uh, uh, my uh, my aunt, my late aunt, had a, a 1978 Mustang II that was an automatic. And she would take me out because by that time I had the learner's permit. I went and got the learner's permit from the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles. And she would take me out because she had an automatic, and we had a stick shift car. Okay. So, uh, and in fact, I took the driver's test at the DMV when I went to get my license using her car. So she was a tremendous amount of help, bless her soul. But it was fun, Mike. It was interesting. It was like, wow, all of a sudden, here's the potential for me to go where I want to go. I can go over to my friend's house across town. I can go to the store and not have to be waiting on buses or waiting on a ride or depend on my dad. It was really uh, just sort of just opening up a whole new horizon of possibilities. How interesting, Smitty, that you mentioned that. Even more interesting that you remember... Your driver's education teacher's yes. name. I don't think anyone can ever forget the name of their driver's education. Mine was Mr. Bingford ah, okay. over at Eagle Rock High School. Okay. And they were kind of like a subgenre of the gym teacher. They mm-hmm. had their own persona. They had their own uh, shtick, so to speak. Right. Their own little shtick where they tried to make jokes out of things. And all you're trying to do is get through the class so you can get that little pink piece of paper that says you can drive around with your grandpa or, or supervising adult. Sure. But nonetheless, the driver's education teacher, they, uh, I guess the best term would be to use would be schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they would go from telling you about the evils of alcohol to telling you about when they were a teenager and the Model T that they learned on and how lucky we were to have safe cars that yes. might not get us killed if we hit something. Right. And then you go back and I notice you you did touch a little bit on that famous, that epic film, Signal 30. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, if watching that didn't scare you, because I don't think of any <clears throat> science fiction movie that ever terrified me as much as that Signal 30 put yeah. out by the Ohio Highway Patrol. Yeah, yeah. And graphic and detail, very grainy, very black and white, and very gruesome, yes. very graphic. I, I remember it showed drivers that had been thrown through the window and were stuck to a telephone pole or yeah, wrapped was... around a pole and horrible things. Yeah. And did it make you a better driver? No. Because, first of all, when you're a teenager, you don't think anything can happen to you anyway. Yeah. All you want to do is get behind the wheel and get out of the driveway and, and hope your dad or your mom doesn't change their mind before you're running amok in the neighborhoods of your town. Right. But going through that, the classroom, and then on, it was a stepping stone process on to the driver's training. The, we In LA Unified, we had simulators. They were 
booths, and they had the steering wheel, and it was an old grainy film, and you'd go driving on this thing, and it was rather mundane and boring, but it was all a stepping stone and a process to get to the big day, and that's where you got to get behind the wheel with several of your high school colleagues and drive around the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was probably the most exhilarating experience of my young life is actually driving a car for the first time in my life. Yeah. Now, Mike, what kind of a car was it? The cars in the driver training program, they were always courtesy of a of a car dealer. Mm-hmm. And I remember in our case that it was a Dodge dealer in L.A., and these were Dodge Darts. Okay. I probably, a Dodge, it was something from the small Dodge family because it would have been in 68 and 69. Mm-hmm. They were a very small family sedans, and they had the two steering wheels, most of them. And uh, the nice part about it is they were festooned all the way around with student driver decals mm-hmm. and signage mm-hmm. so as to warn the poor, unwitting other motorists that there was a <laughs> there was a hormone-crazed teenager at the wheel oh coming your way. Oh, boy. But you had the driver instructor in the passenger side at the second wheel, the co-pilot wheel, me, myself, and I there at the wheel, and three of my high school classmates in the back seat. Now, that was an interesting mixture of fear, comedy, showing off, and trying to just be cool so you could get through that and, and have them sign off your permit so you could go over to the DMV and, and take the other test, right. which we'll go into in a moment. But just the excitement of, I'm going to be able to drive. Yeah. I'm actually driving. You know, yeah. I've got this uptight, extremely ultra-uptight driver's education teacher, driver's training teacher, Mr. Bingford, telling me, slow down, speed up, go closer to the curb, closer, closer, closer. Uh, and then the questions that they would always give you while your while your poor juvenile mind was just trying to navigate down the street. Uh, comments and questions. Would you legally be able to make a U-turn here? <laughs> yeah. uh, is it bad to hit a fire hydrant? There's certain <laughs> things. And I just remember all I could think about is I'm just going to do what I got to do to get my license. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole set, the other side of that subject was taking that learner's permit and actually going home and trying to find somebody with the patience and the time, of course, to take you out in the neighborhood. My dad tried a few times, and I think, you know, how I was even with my daughter is you get a little frustrated. Is the kid listening to me or not? Because they don't seem to be driving in the same car that I'm trying to teach them how to drive in. (laughs) But at the same time, you built your confidence, and again, it was a process one of these days, I won't have my dad in the side of the, of the car here, and I'll I'll be able to be truly free and emancipated <laughs> as a real driver. And that day did come, and it was probably uh, it was a mixture. It was it was a confusing mixture of I'm going to be able to drive. All I got to do is pass this test with this guy at DMV, this man or this woman who have a clipboard, and they actually have the key mm-hmm. to my freedom or not. You remember those days? Yeah, I remember do you that, remember yeah. going to the DMV? I sure do. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I said, I uh, well, I had the the learner's permit, and then uh, my aunt and I went, and we took her car, and I took the uh, the driver's test in her car. And I remember, uh, you know, you're obviously you're a little bit nervous. You're you're you don't want to mess up, and it actually went fairly well. I think the inspector 
uh, got me on was the fact that I backed up too fast. Okay. Uh, and I thought I just backed up because there was nobody. We stopped on a very, very lonely, quiet street, and, the, and he goes, okay, back up. So I just put it in reverse. and not I didn't floor it, but I, I went back at a pretty good clip. And he said, okay, well, you, you just need to slow down when you back up. Uh-huh. But other than that, everything went smoothly. But uh, And there was just big relief when I finally really? passed it, yeah, and said, okay, you passed. It's truly a rite of passage. Truly a rite of passage, Mike. Smitty, do you recall the first time that you were able to operate a vehicle, drive out on the freeway? Did the instructors take you on the freeway? I think they did, Mike. I think it was very basic, though. I think it was going in, going in one entrance and coming out the next uh-huh. exit. It was just very, very simple. As I recall, that's a little vague. I can definitely recall driving on the streets. But I think they did take us on the freeway, but it was very, very minimal, to be honest with you. Um, but, again, you know, that was just a process of catching on. Freeway driving, as we know, is a little bit different than street driving. It's just kind of applying different sort of rules to it. But I think they did take us out very briefly and uh, did okay with it, you know. But sure. uh, I look 50 years back, Smitty, yeah. and I don't remember this many cars being on the road. Oh, my gosh, yeah. There certainly a lot weren't as many varieties. You had a Dodge, a Chevy, or a Ford, and that, Or a Chrysler, and that was it. Yeah. And they were... For the most part, very large, very secure fortresses on four wheels. They were, yeah. You felt safe. Yeah, the older cars were a lot. And again, like I said, even by the time I took my test, it was a Chevy Malibu. It was a Chevrolet Malibu. Real nice car. It was blue. In fact, I remember it was blue in color. It was a four-door, obviously. I want to say very late 70s or maybe a year a year old or something, but nice car. And I'm going like, wow, can you imagine owning something like this and being able to take it out wherever you want yeah. to go, whenever you want to go? It's amazing. Well, amazing. It's, it's truly a, a memorable part of any, any yeah. anybody's life is yeah. is getting that freedom. That little piece of paper that you put in your wallet that you got from DMV was the key I guess the best word would be freedom. Yeah. Uh, I remember getting the license, passing the test, and, and being congratulated by the testing person from right. DMV, and as well as my dad, because my dad took me to DMV to do the examination and the driving test, but I got my license. Mm-hmm. I got my license. Now what do I do? And in my case, uh, under very strict rules and regulations, uh, I was able to take the family car out Mm -hmm. and basically for errands. My mom would give me the keys to the station wagon and have me take something over my grandmother's. But it it was such a feeling of of power. I guess the best feeling was the feeling of maturity. I'm being trusted Mm -hmm. with the family car. I'm a licensed driver now. Right. I can go about just anywhere I want. So then there were the side, the back stories, the side issues of <laughs> getting gasoline, oh, yes. checking the oil, maintaining the car's appearance. Sure. I, it was such a proud feeling to wash, wash the, car, the family yeah. car. Yes, oh, It had yeah. never interested me or excited me before to wash the family sedan, but all of a sudden, it's part of me. It's That's a reflection right. of who I am. It's a reflection of you, yeah. And just the fact of of being entrusted with a very valuable piece of the family equipment, that being their automobile, but that didn't last long in the sense of responsibility. What what evolved was, after school, I'm going to get all my buddies, as many as I can, and keep in mind, listeners, this was before there were any requirements for seatbelts. A lot of the cars still were not equipped with Mm -hmm. seatbelts. Mm-hmm. 
our family sedan did not have seat belts, but we had two bench seats, and we could put a lot of high school kids in there after school, <laughs> yeah. which was violation of rule number one. Uh, you can drive the car, but you can't drive anyone in the car with you. Right. That's one of the promises we must hear, a promise I immediately broke. But it was, <laughs> it was again, a sense of maturity and a, a sense of pride to get your buddies in the in the car after school, six period, the bell rang, three o'clock, we're off to Pup and Taco or we're off to Bob's <laughs> Big Boy. Yeah. And we're guys now and yeah. we're, I'm, I'm driving. Yeah, and we've got a car. So Little AM like, radio there yeah. in the dash, crank that up. Yeah. You know, it was all AM. There were very few cars at that time with FM yeah. radios that I know yeah. of, but turning that radio up, running the windows down, pulling up to a red light and just the... The feeling of freedom and pride that you you'd never felt before as a kid. Sure, yeah, it's interesting, Mike. Uh, when I was in high school, the high school I went to, Claremont High School, was basically across town from where I lived. So I didn't drive at all through my high school years. I didn't. In fact, when I got my driver's license was after I graduated. So all those years, I didn't have any. Uh, you know, I never drove. However, there was an occasion when I almost did. There was an event uh, one time at the school. I forget what it was. It was some sort of an event that I wanted to go to. And there was a kid down the street about half a block or more down from where I lived. And this guy had a car. So I uh, I approached him and I said, hey, would you let me borrow your car to go to this event? Now, I had already taken driver's training. I hadn't. I didn't have my license yet. And uh, he kind of said, well, I don't know, uh, maybe. And he said, well, you know, and I said, there's this event at the school, and I just want to go to the school, and I want to participate in this event and then come back. Well, long story short, he never did let me borrow the car, which is probably a good thing, because if something would have happened, it would have been a catastrophe. But I felt comfortable enough that I said, hey, of course, I'm not going to let my dad know, that you know, because I didn't have no, a license. No, no, no. Yeah, didn't have a license, mm-hmm. didn't have any insurance, didn't have anything. He probably didn't have any insurance on that car either. It was a car that he had gotten. But I said, he's got an automatic. I can drive his car, just drive it to the school, be, real, be very careful, then drive back. One of those crazy things that you're willing to try when you're a kid, you know. And in the end, he didn't want to do it, and it probably all worked out okay. But it was just, I think back to it, and I'm going like, wow, how how daring, you know. Uh, how dare I do that, <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> well, Smitty, let me ask you, we're on the subject yeah. moving on. You've got your driver's license, yeah. and, and you're feeling pretty good about things. And then there was the downside, where you... Did you experience the fender bender first or the traffic ticket first, or were you one of those fortunates who didn't have to experience either one? No, I did have a fender bender that was um, that came later on. It was due to a rainy weather on the freeway, which, of course, uh, has, has happened to a lot of people. I think the first traffic ticket I ever got was just a silly one. I, I, I went through a flashing red light. And this happened up in in Seal Beach, California. I was visiting a friend up there. This is a number of years after I had already begun driving. It was late at night, and the flashing red light. And I was going, okay, I'm just going to go through this thing. And there's the siren behind me. And that was the first, I think that's the first ticket I ever got. I was able to clear it by going to a, taking a driver's, uh, what is it? uh, Oh, the. uh, The fix-it thing where you take a class and they run it. Traffic class. Traffic class, yeah. Yeah. I think that was the first one. The fender bender was very, very minor. I did a, what do they call one of those skids? You, you. 
on the water, oh, hydroplane. hydroplaning, okay. and and uh, had another car that couldn't stop in time, just and kind of put a wrinkle in the fender of the car. But it could have been a lot worse. But uh, those are the two. How about you? That's you, the stuff they don't teach you in the class. That's the stuff they don't teach you. Exactly. You hydroplane, you hydroplane or you get yeah. somebody pull out in front of you, hang a left turn in front of you. Those are the things you that you can't be taught from a book. Yes, and that's stuff that only comes with experience yeah. that happens later. Now I know how to deal with a hydroplaning situation. You just don't use the brake. Don't step on the brake. That will kill you every time. Well, my experience, I was a ticket victim first. When I say victim, because to this day, 50 years later, I will maintain that I was in the right. Mm. But in 1969, when you were an under-18 driver, a juvenile driver, and you got a ticket, you had to appear in court, in juvenile traffic court. You had to. You didn't just send your money like nowadays and wait for your insurance bill to go up. You had to appear... And it goes without saying you had to appear with a parent. In my case, goes without saying I had to appear with my dad. Mm. Now, in Eagle Rock, California, a very small bedroom community at the time of Los Angeles, they had motorcycle officers assigned to each community. In mm. our case, it was a Officer Fitzgerald. Oh. Badge number 1234, believe it or not. I'll wow. never forget it. Okay. I made an illegal left turn, which, again, today I will maintain that I was in the proper lane. However, I got a ticket. It was a beautiful May afternoon in the springtime, and uh, life was good up until that moment mm. where he said, sign here, you have this date to appear in juvenile court. My world came to an end at that moment. One, the humiliation of getting a ticket. Two, the utter terror of having to go and tell my dad that I got a ticket. But I, I took the ticket, and I went to him and talked to my dad, and I violated the rule of rules. I had a friend in the car. I wasn't supposed to have the friend. I was supposed to use the car after school to go to work and come back. Oh. Me and my buddy decided we were going to go get burgers and fries. And in my dad's case, this was a buddy he didn't care for because, oh, you got that ticket because you had him in the car with you, and he's one of those long-hair hippie types. So I pinned the ticket on the fact that I was falsely accused. My dad pinned the ticket on the fact that I was driving around with a hippie. Anyway, juvenile court judge, and I did a little research long before the Internet and went to the judge with my dad, and I pleaded no contest well, when you're a juvenile, you can't plead no contest to a traffic violation. So when the judge got done laughing, I think he fined me $25 at the time. And uh, there I went, experienced as being a veteran of a traffic ticket by Officer Fitzgerald, badge number 1234 of LAPD Motor Unit. And uh, I knew then that at that early age of having a driver's license that I would be under close scrutiny, closely watched by my dad for the next two years, which I was. (laughs) But having said that, I was fortunate enough not to get in any crashes or or fender benders. But the good thing about talking about these memories is you always remember the first, Smitty. The driver's training, we've talked about the manual shift and... And grinding the clutch. Oh, yes. And the gear shift and forgetting to set the brake and coasting backwards. Mm-hmm. And the traffic tickets and the fender benders, but still it was exhilarating to be able to take that set of keys that you were entrusted with, with that car you were entrusted with, 
and be able to go. And I remember the first summer that I had my driver's license, the freedom, as you said earlier, Mm -hmm. no more bus passes, no more bus fares, no more sitting on a bench in the rain waiting for the bus or hoping that your buddy's mom was available to be able to take you and your buddy somewhere to a dance that you could do pretty much what you wanted as far as going somewhere and going to the beach and going to places and visiting and just the freedom of sitting in a car and thinking to yourself, I'm a man now. I'm I'm a grown-up. You know, how that stays in your mind for years and years to come. It does, Mike, because, again, as I mentioned, all all my high school years depended on the bus, and it was across town. It was a, at least an hour ride. And all of a sudden, I'm going, it no longer takes me an hour, hour and a half to get to where I want to go. I can get there in 15 minutes without having to wait for a bus, and I can go when I want. I don't have to rush out of the house to catch the bus at a certain time. I can save a lot of time. I can get there quickly. I can go where I want. It really was exhilarating. I think it's a rite of passage that I think everyone, pretty much all of us, have gone through, and it's really something that does mark a a changing of the guard in your life. It does. And all of a sudden, you now have mobility, you have freedom, you're not held down by the constraints of having to wait on a bus or wait on somebody, mom or dad, or or, as you said, uh, the friend's mom or a neighbor, hey, can you give me a ride? You can now grab those keys and you can go. And getting back to the tickets and all that, that happens to you and it stays with you and it makes you a little bit more cautious. You, you yes. then say, no, this is not a free for all. This is, this is, uh, there's responsibility yeah. here. It's very serious business. Yeah, this is very serious. Sure, there's fun and games and, and going here and going there and whatever. But in the end, you have to be careful because not only is it your safety, it's the safety of everybody else around you. And I think that that's uh, one of the important things that we take away from that first ticket or that first moving violation that we so get. true smitty so yeah. true and i remember actually probably close to verbatim my driver's education teacher mr bingford mm-hmm. saying remember remember kids having a driver's license is a privilege yes it's a privilege that can be taken away at any time so not so much were we fearful of getting in a crash or being carjacked right. I, maybe there weren't any carjacks 50 years ago oh. but more of a fear of of losing that freedom, losing that liberty. Uh, I've had to turn my car keys into my dad, I mm-hmm. will admit. And I've had some close experiences that got the adrenaline going and thought, well, as you said, Smitty, dead on. It, this is very serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leave the clown costume at home. That's it. Yeah. Somebody could get hurt. Somebody could get very hurt, yeah. But it's gone really fast, this episode. It's gone incredibly fast. A lot of good memories. Good memories. And we'll have another show and talk about that first car. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that. And the four on the floor. Oh, yes, the four on the floor, yeah. And just real quickly, I'll mention that shortly after I got my uh, my driver's license, we, we got an automatic car. And I eventually did learn how to drive a stick, and I drove a stick for a long time. So, you know, it all comes around. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, anyway, we sure are thankful that you joined us for this program. We hope that we've evoked a few memories for you of early driving and taking driver's tests and that freedom of being able to go on the road whenever you want. And certainly if you have any memories of that or anything else, 
we invite you to write us. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightsight at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightsight at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightsight. If you go to our website, don't forget our good friend George Halawakos, who is with us here once in a while. He posts a, a great blog every month you can read. If you are interested in hearing any of our shows again or hearing them again for, or hearing them for the first time, we're available on iTunes, on Mixcloud, and now for the first time we are also available on Google Podcast. So those of you that have Android phones, you can now get us on Google Podcast. Um, go to Google and type in Galaxy Nostalgia Network, Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsite, Baby Boomer TV Radio Memories, and we'll come up and we're available on that venue as well. And don't forget our page on Facebook, the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsite page on Facebook. If you're a Facebook fan, join us, uh, like our page, and you'll be updated every time we get a new show posted. And that's all the time we have on our program today. We sure thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And thank you for joining us on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsite on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.